Welcome to Live Your Life with Purpose podcast. I'm Scott Weiss, and I'm really excited today to have Bruce Deckert uh, with me, who is the editor-in-chief and publisher of Today Magazine. And so, uh, Bruce, welcome. Scott, thank you so much. Thanks. I appreciate the invite. I've appreciated our conversations that we've had along the way as fellow members of the Simsbury Chamber of Commerce, and, um, and just you know, glad to be here. I appreciate the invitation. Yeah, we've really had some great conversations and why I wanted to bring you on, Bruce, is because, uh, you know, you certainly have, uh, whenever anybody talks to you, you have a passion for journalism, you have a passion for the Farmington Valley, and uh, it's been a really interesting story that I've gotten to, to, to uncover as to, you know, just how all of this kind of came about, uh, just a little bit, of, obviously, about uh uh, you and, and, and the things that drive you. So I'm really excited to kind of be able to highlight this and, and, and share that story because I think it's one that uh, uh, folks will be really, really interested in. And uh, uh, I'm really looking forward to it. And so you launched Today Magazine, what, a little over three years ago, right? I started focusing on Canton and we were Canton Today Magazine. Uh, then after a few months, uh, we branched out to Avon and Simsbury. And so we were now covering what I was calling the Tri-Town area of the Farmington Valley. Yeah. Uh, that was in April of 2019. And then um, earlier in 2020, in July of 2020, we branched out to the entire Farmington Valley. And so now we're covering uh, from Farmington in the South up to Granby in the North. If you go South to North, it's Farmington, Avon and Canton are side by side, then Simsbury. Mm -hmm. and then Granby. So those are essentially the five core towns of the Farmington Valley, and that's our coverage area. So you've had, a, you've had a lot of training up until this point to kind of get this off the ground because you've been doing it for, for a long time, right? Or yeah. you've had yeah. exposure to it for a long time. Right, and, and so, and so one, one of the aspects of this is that, yeah, so I definitely have had the training, but then, yeah, so then after three years of JRC, was able, you know, learned about this opportunity to be an editor at ESPN, moved across town. So I was working in Bristol, you know, then I was in New Britain uh, for about a year, but yeah. then, you know, from Bristol Press, just moved across town, so to speak, to, you know, work for a different media outlet, uh, one that has a higher profile than the Bristol Press, but really the same, journalism is the same wherever you are, you know, I mean, you're, you're, I mean the, 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 all the principles that you aim for as a journalist, yeah. you work that's what you're aiming for you're aiming for you know good coverage for integrity for um you know for for reporting accurately and for you know the whole nine yards and so yeah so anyway yeah so and, and so what was the difference between going from like the paper that you were working on to then espn like what how similarities differences so yeah, so one of the big differences initially, so I, you know, I, my, my role, my main role at ESPN.com was as an editor. Um, and so, and, and it was in the digital realm, right? So I went from, you know, working at Imprint where we were putting out weekly papers. And when I was at Imprint, by the way, I didn't, I, Imprint published those weekly papers in the Valley my responsibility was with the Weathersfield, Newington, and Rocky Hill papers. Um, so I didn't have a direct responsibility for the Valley papers, but I was part of that operation and I lived mm -hmm. in the Valley, you know? Um, 
but one of the so one of the to, to answer your question, one of the big differences was working for the website. There was no longer a print product, you mm-hmm. know. So and and at that and, you know in December of '99, ESPN had only you know their website was only up and running for about four years. You know, it was really still the infancy of the internet in a lot of ways. Yeah. So that was a, a big difference. Was you know we don't. I mean, when you're publishing on the internet, you know, have quote unquote the unlimited nature. So, you know, we could, you could publish a thousand stories a day on the internet and you don't have to pay for the printing. You don't have to pay for the mailing. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, it's, it, it's a diff that, that is certainly a key difference that today's generation, Scott, I mean, you and I remember pre-internet, right? Oh, of course. Yeah. But, yeah. But like my son and my daughter, they grew up with it basically, you know, um, so any, any, the millennial generation and forward. They, That's all they turn to is, is, yeah. is an electronic, you know, medium. Yeah. But even, but even my kids say to me, and I've confirmed this with them because I would, I will, I've mentioned this a number of times to local business owners in it, in a, you know, when I've, when I've tried to present the magazine, what we're all about, you know, my, my son, and my daughter said to me, dad, I, I really like a print product. So they said, I, I get so tired of looking at my phone and looking at the screen. 100%. And, you know, people even ask me about the journal if I, you know, will have um, a digital version. And there are some variations of digital versions that I have. But the reality of putting something down on paper and having this tangible thing, um, well, I don't know if it's ever really going to go away. And especially with, with, with what I do. It's so powerful to, to write something down and see yourself through this process of writing things down and realizing them um, that sometimes you just, you can't always get that full value in an electronic form. And so uh, I agree with you. There's still always going to be some version because people like to still pick up a book and read a book. And, you know, yes, there's convenience that comes with electronics and handheld devices. But I think that even now you're starting to see um, even in with a COVID environment, it's a, it's people need to get away from electronics. People need to, to step away. So if you still have a version to be able to get that content, um, you know, I think that you'll find a little bit of a switch at some point kind of, it's never going to go away because again, we like to get a, we need that break. Um, for our, for just for our sanity and, and to, to just step away from computers or phones. Yeah, and that's one of the, I mean, I, 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 I wonder if you've noticed this in your neighborhood, but I, you know, ever since the COVID shutdown hit, when everybody was basically, you know, a lot of shelter in place and stay at home as much as you can, I, I would notice people walking around the neighborhood that I, in, pr- prior to that, you know, occasionally you'd see somebody out walking the dog. But, mm-hmm. but I've seen so many people walking and there's something like you're saying that's really healthy about, I mean, obviously in today's, in the first world, in today's day and age, technology is an important component. I mean, oh, it's huge. Relying on, but but, but to, like you're saying, to be able to step away and to, you know, go for be able to use it for use it to what you need it for. Like yeah. I was going to tell my wife, you know, I've turned off all notifications on my phone. So hmm. I only go into my phone when I, I want to, right? Like, so I don't get a notification of, uh, well, phone calls I still do, but like if a text message comes through, uh, if a notification or an alert or something along those lines, 
like it'll pop up, but the the signal isn't there, or the you know you don't hear that ding because it just allows me to to not be distracted, right? If the phone pops up, the immediate thing that anyone does, even if it's in the middle of a conversation, what's the first thing somebody does is they go to their phone and they're still in the conversation, nodding at you, but they're but they're not. They're in their phone and as a as somebody on the reverse side like if i'm in the middle of having a conversation with you and then all of a sudden now your phone is more important than our conversation and that's the message that you're sending to me even though you don't realize it and so it's it's a lot of yeah i i could talk about electronics you know we need them and it's a vital like it's it's amazing what you can do with all of them um but it's also important to kind of manage it for yourself so that it doesn't kind of overrun you yeah and and scott if you don't mind um i mentioned my son and his comment about you know dad oh, yeah dad you don't have to say espn is a self-proclaimed world leader it is i mean because again that was a tagline that as far as i know espn yeah. came up with itself yeah uh, again espn is certainly a recognized worldwide sports media brand right but but anyway, I just want to give a quick shout out. In addition to mentioning my son and his comment of ESPN, my son is a medical professional in the Coast Guard. And so this hat is from him. So I just want to give a quick. Ex- yeah, excellent. Excellent. And yeah, uh, we thank we him for all that he does. Out yeah, there. thank you. And I, I will I will do my best to relay that to him. Um, I'll, I'll, I'm planning to talk to him and my daughter tomorrow. My, my daughter and my son have a Zoom call scheduled tomorrow night, actually. Oh, um, that's fun. Yeah. So he she's in Pennsylvania. He's in, in California, so he works at a well, medical. And and so here's a perfect example, right? Like before Zoom, and in even though all of this technology was available, but before COVID was was here, you know, people really didn't use Zoom or FaceTime all of that much to to have a conversation. And if you've got people across the country, then really, what better way? It's the next best thing to to them, you know, be next to you. At least you get to see see folks, and and so. Yeah. it's like well why don't we do this more often then and yeah exactly it is it's just with it and, and it's amazing to be able to connect people worldwide on a platform like this that you would never have in general but it's also just important to to be able to close the, the close the computer step away get outside get some fresh air get some sun even if it's cold outside it's still it's super beneficial for uh for you but so now you so you spent this time at ESPN and now you go from this print world to this digital world. And so during that time, are you able to still, you know, when you were in that print world, were you doing a lot of the things that you found passion for, or was it always kind of other stories? And then as you transitioned into ESPN, did you still find that same, you know, passion that you have for journalism that you had? Um, in the print meet, is there is there a difference? What is or what is the difference? Hmm. Yeah, it's a good question, and I'll do my best to um, to answer it. Uh, hopefully, yeah. succinctly. Uh, so, I one one of the things that I left behind when I and really I essentially left it behind when I moved to the editorial role at the Bristol Press. Um, I, I I've always enjoyed writing, and I've had some success with it. And more importantly, maybe. Yeah, I've, I've enjoyed it. It's been something I have had a passion for, if you will. Um, and and I, you know, it's one of those things, you know, where, I mean, we can be encouraged. I mean, some, you know, sometimes somebody says something that's critical when you're young, and that discourages you, and you maybe you shy away from something when 
there's no reason to shy away from it because it's a good thing that, you know, maybe someone criticizes a drawing that you made or something. And, and hopefully that wasn't, uh, you know, it, what if that had happened to Rembrandt or something, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. so again, there's these dynamics, these human dynamics that are in play and throughout our lives. But one of the things that I've appreciated is, you know, pretty much from when I was, you know, high school, college, you know, teachers, professors, friends would say to me, you need to keep writing, you need to mm -hmm. keep writing. And so that kind of validated a, a, a skill that I've had. Um, it was, it's encouraging, you know, when somebody says, I, you know, I appreciate what you wrote here, that kind of thing. That's huge. Um, yeah. And so, because, you know, just like anything, when you start doing something, you enjoy it, but no one's ever very good at it. You know, it takes time to develop anything. And so that's as adults, I think that people shy away from doing something different for themselves because taking that first step feels weird, right? It doesn't feel good. It's uncomfortable. Are people going to laugh at us? We should know what we're doing. How are you going to know what you're doing when it's the first time that you've done something? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so it does. It takes time to develop, you know, the things that give us, give us that energy, give us that. Energy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so to to circle back to your question a little more, you know, what one so one of the things I left behind when I so I so here's one of the ironic things perhaps um, when I look at kind of my career journey, if you will, perhaps my favorite job description was at Imprint that that year at Imprint, mm -hmm. and, and one of the reasons was because uh, it, it's, it was a small shop. Right. And so, you know, I, I was responsible for the page design of it. And I and I had had some enjoyment with that. And you talk about like, like maybe not knowing what you're doing when you first try something and then you get better. Like I look at the very first Canton Today publication, October yeah. 2018. And I look I compare that to the, the publication I just put out. I feel like I've developed and grown as a as a designer. You know, and I want to keep fine tuning, keep learning, keep growing. But like, it's like, and so but that's the, but that's the thing, right? Like, if 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 you just kept the the magazine the way that it was, then none of this stuff happens, hmm. right? But you you say, okay, well, I've done this in the past. I can get this done. I have a passion for it. So let me start. And then you start. You share the information, and they're just like, okay, well now. I like this, but here's what I would tweak for the next one. And then, so the next one comes around and you're just like, okay, well, that was good, but here's what I would tweak for the next one. And it's always a constant evolution. And that's, and that's, but that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> and so now, so now getting back, so now you've, you, you've launched this new magazine. Are you right back kind of where you were when you first started, even though, so you've gotten all of this knowledge, right? You've gotten all of these things that each one of these different aspects, each one of these different positions kind of brought to the table and increased your skill set. But it almost goes all the way back to all of that fun, energizing stuff that you first fell in love with. Yeah, yeah. And so really, yeah. So my, my role here with Say Magazine, in a sense, it, it, it's very much in the same ballpark as when I, my very first journalism job with Imprint, you know, yeah. so, I, so I'm, again, small shop. Um, I'm, you know, I'm, I've been designing the magazine. Um, I've been 
so so an imprint i was writing um not all the content but i was i was responsible for writing you know yeah. stories each week yep. um, i was responsible to to design the the paper and that was you know usually on kind of wednesday we would our deadline was a thursday so we would be writing maybe earlier in the week you know reporting later in the week reporting writing a little bit you know writing the stories then putting it together on a wednesday and then thursday was the deadline and so i was i was i was writing editing working with other you know the other writers we had freelancers and so forth and designing so those are three components of a key components of journalism yeah yeah i i really enjoy each aspect but what happened was so so yeah so now fast forward that was 96 okay fast forward 25 years so for the past three years yeah. you know, that's what I, I've been back to that and and Scott it, there's no question it has been in terms of career-wise it has really been invigorating and one I think one of the most difficult things for me and, and there's 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 so much to this story you know what I mean to all yeah, of our stories of you know um but but it has really been invigorating to be able to, to write again, because I had essentially when I moved from imprint to the Bristol press. Okay. Yeah. Um, that was basically a pragmatic move because, um, you know, I was a dad, I was a husband, I had a responsibility for my family. Um, and so I, you know, so at that time, you had to take care of your priorities and the priorities yeah. were your family at that point and, yep. and giving them the, the, the life and doing things for them that you wanted to. And you, so you have opportunities that allow that. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and you take exactly. And moving, so moving from imprint, so imprint was a lower, lower salary level than Bristol press. Yeah. And so I actually, little known fact, not that anyone will, care one way or the other but but i i interviewed for a reporter's job with the hartford current at that mm -hmm. time and was offered the role i ended up going i forget that it was a town might have been enfield i think it was enfield they the the way the current worked it was they had you cover i hope i'm not going to divulge any current secrets here but the hartford current they basically the the it was like a um a, a, they tested you uh, so they, so I covered, a, it was like a board of ed or a town council meeting, I think it was an Enfield, as I recall. Yeah. And I wrote a story and it was not under my byline, but they wanted to see like, you know, what, how are you going to report it? So I covered their, the meeting. I wrote the story. I worked with the editor. They liked what I wrote. They, they made a couple changes and I understood the change, you know, tweaked a couple things. Um, and then they offered me the job, but and, and that was the job I was more interested in, but it was, it was, there was no health insurance mm. and it was, that was one of the keys, you know, it was no health. It wasn't like a full-time, it was full-time, but it didn't have the benefits. And so again, I made the pragmatic decision that I felt for my family, it was more important to have the health insurance in place and so forth. So at that time, that was 90, say 97 98 so my daughter was only a couple of years old my son was about five years old um and i i just felt that that was the more important consideration so i i went yeah. from imprint you know a higher salary um so at that time scott we when i first moved to simsbury we my wife and i lived we, um 
uh, I hope I'm not giving too much information here, but no, my, yeah. my, my son was, when my son was born, we lived in Winstead. We had a condo in Winstead, Connecticut, which is just yeah. west of the farm to Valley. And, um, and then my uh, mother and father-in-law, my wife's parents ended up moving to Florida almost full time for about two years to care for my wife's grandparents. So my mm -hmm. mother-in-law's parents. So they lived in Florida for many years and they were essentially down there full time for two years. So my father-in-law said to my wife, do you and Bruce wanna house it for us while we're away? It worked out great. So we house sat for them. So, you know, they weren't gonna, they weren't charging us. Yeah, more. yeah, yeah, which so, is a perfect opportunity. Yeah, so we were able to rent a place in, in, in Winstead. We, we would have sold it, but the market had come down. And so we ended up renting it for a number of years and we sold it about 10 years, well, a little while after that. But anyway, um, house sat for them for two years. That was my first Simsbury residence. I mean, that became our official yeah. residence. Yeah. And when they came back full time um, to live, then we bought a, you know, kind of a starter home here in Simsbury and, and been here ever since. But, um, and so my, so my daughter was born that, so we moved in like early July. My daughter was born in late July of 95. And so, mm -hmm. And so, and I started working in imprint the following year in 96. Yeah. So, so anyway, just a little personal history there to go with the yeah, career history. But, um, but yeah, so, so I, um, so, so yeah, so that decision to, to move from imprint to the Bristol Press, I, job, you know, job description wise, I would have preferred staying at, at, at an imprint. Yeah. Yeah. But so, but I moved again, I, I, it was a higher salary and, it, and the timing, Scott, it's like you talk about timing. Like it was about the time that my, my in-laws were moving back to their home. That was when I had this opportunity to move to the Bristol press. Yeah. And so the increase in salary now meant that like at the, at the previous, at the imprint salary, it would have been dicey to it pay. Would have been, it would maybe a little tougher to buy a home, exactly. all that stuff. This allowed you to then say, okay, well, we want to put roots here. We're looking, you know, you got health insurance. And so, yeah, different yeah. priorities yeah. happen at different times. But I, the, the beauty of the story, I think for me, though, you know, knowing you and, and then getting some of this is that, you know, you do all of these things and you, you take care of family, you put your family first, you do all of this. But then it comes down to a time where you're now able to give this back to yourself, like the passion, the drive, because, you know, while this is all energizing, I can't even imagine the, the struggle and the stress, well, I can imagine, of, of getting it all done. So while it is energizing and invigorating, all of the challenges and the difficulties that come away are also tremendous, I'm sure. Invigorating and energizing in terms of the um, the opportunity to to write again, you know, and and so you know, so like I said, you know, basically after that year at Imprint, I moved to the Bristol Press in, in an editorial role. Um, had an editorial role when I was the Sunday edition editor for that Herald Press, the joint publication that I mentioned, and then very much an editorial role at ESPN.com for ESPN. You know, we started out as ESPN.com, um, and then it, the smartphone revolution happened and we morphed to become ESPN digital media because now there were, uh, you know, a number of different ways to access our content, not just through the PC. So when I, you know, when I first started working in December of 99, 
ESPN.com, the only, really the only way to access the internet was through your personal computer. Yeah. And then the smartphones within four or five years, they showed up in the scene and, you know, in a way, you know, way we went, but, but, um, but yeah, but so yeah, definitely invigorating and energizing and yet no question, like you're saying, nerve wracking. So financially it's, it's a challenge because I mean, anybody who, I mean, and I had a, a friend say this to me when I was, you know, working at launch the magazine that, that apparently, you know, I don't, you know, there was some statistic that most startup businesses don't turn a profit. It takes like a year or two to turn. Oh yeah. At least two to three years sometimes for, a, you know, for a startup business to yeah. be profitable. Yeah. And so then I was thinking like, I hope that's not the case with this magazine because I need to, you know, I need to pay the bills and everything. And, um, but, but really anybody who man who, who, who starts up a business recognizes that it's a lot of hard work. One, and yes, it's invigorating, but when you're doing something that you really care about, um, that you enjoy, um, but there are obviously there are challenges, and 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 finances are is one of them. You know, fi the financial challenges are, is part of that because, you know, it's I don't know the get rich quick schemes. I think by and large they don't play out. You know, um, no. unless you win the lottery. You know, <laughs> it takes passion. It takes understanding why you're doing something to be able to continue to to fight through and to move move through correct i mean i'm sure you found that for yourself definitely definitely and um yeah uh, and um yeah i mean what you're saying really resonates because and it, and it i think it kind of speaks to the blend that is life you know that is our human experience because you know we we there are aspects of life where there's a lot of joy and we there's enjoyment and there's also real challenge and difficulty and you know we you, you gotta really life is hard right like who is going to face some sort of challenge every part yeah. of what is is happening is going to be difficult and it's just how do we approach it and if we're approaching it with what we want and what drives us and what gives us passion and gives us purpose and gives us you know an understanding of knowing why we're doing something then it's easier to push through, right? It's easier to say, okay, this is just a moment in time. Things will, things will continue to progress. Yeah. One, one of the goals I have uh, journalistically is I, I want uh, Today Magazine to report and to record the underreported upside of the Farmington Valley. Um, mm -hmm. And that is a phrase that occurred to me maybe a year or so into the process but and I what's I, an example of that? Like, do you have an example of 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 like a like how a story that one of the first stories that you launched, or or how does that come into reality for you? Yeah. Um, so one. Well, let's see. Um, in other words, I, well, let me if I can maybe I'll give a little bit big picture, and then I'll try to come to an, a specific example. Perfect. Uh, I think one of the fair critiques of, of the media in general is, and especially if you're watching the TV news a lot or maybe listen to the radio news, um, is, you know, people, I think, have this fair critique of why so much negative, why so much downside, you know? Mm. And, and it does seem that, you know, I'll listen to the radio news often enough. I don't watch the TV news hardly at all, but, uh, you know, and being a monthly magazine, I don't need to stay glued to what's happening day to day because it's, yeah. I love the monthly format because we can deal more with human interest 
and get into more, you know, people oriented stories that mm -hmm. aren't, you know, well, they're, they're not dependent on, you know, did the stock market go up 10 points or down 20 points today, you know, or whatever the case may yeah. be. So, so anyway, um, but I think that's a fair critique of the media, you know, because again, the, the, when I listen to their radio news, it seems like the top and bottom of every hour, you know, they, they lead with an assault or a homicide or a scandal, you know, and mm -hmm. um, or the latest COVID statistics, you know, and and, and for instance, I've heard recently, and I and I I thought about reaching out to this media outlet, but I'm not going to mention it, but. Um, you know, I, I hear this COVID reporting of, you know, and today, you know, you know, there were, you know, 50 more COVID deaths. Well, I think that's incomplete reporting because I think you need to, so again, again my son's a medical professional in the Coast Guard. Like the, the COVID impact on their medical, on their Coast Guard base has been minimal. They've had people uh, contract, you know, COVID-19 but often mild symptoms, asymptomatic. You hear stories of younger, and because it's a younger, younger group. Mm -hmm. um, you know, last time I heard, like the CDC on its own website, they, um, you know, the above 60, 70, 80, you know, that age group, yes, it's like a 20% or more mortality rate. That's a significant number. And yeah. so that's the group we need to be caring about and they need to be especially cautious. But if you look at the mortality rate of COVID for like zero to 18, 18 to 29, last time I checked, it was like less than 1%. Mm. And so what I'm getting at is like to say, you know, across the country, you know, I don't know, let's pull it a number. 10,000 people died of COVID today. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, I think I think a better reporting would be to say, ten thousand people died, and this is how many people in this age group. This is how many people. Now they don't have the time for that, maybe, but but in other words, I don't know. So that COVID report because well, it's kind of highlighting a story because they need, you know, it's like, what do people want to hear? And so and so when you figure and you can report on all of these different numbers it's 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 their way of like capturing your attention right but it doesn't give the full picture because they're only reporting on one specific number of a variety of different numbers that are out there right 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 yeah yeah, yeah. and so and so that's just one aspect of you know again and and you know i I've, I've seen you know i remember early in, in the covid shutdown I saw on YouTube, there was a media outlet that had a coverage of somebody who had gotten COVID and they got better and they were discharged. And they showed like the, the person being escort, you know, taken, they were leaving the hospital and like the staff of the hospital was yeah. like hearing. And so, I mean, so again, some, again, it's not, it's it, for someone to say like, oh, the media is always negative. That's not true. That's not accurate. But, but I think that there is this sense of, Oh man, I, you know the TV news. It's like somebody else got killed and somebody else. This, it's all you know, negative. So maybe so basically, <laughs> reporting on the happier things, reporting on the more on positive the good thing, the good things that people are doing, helping other people, uh, giving back to communities, that type of a thing. Is that exactly? I love and it. So that's that is that is one of the goals I have with this magazine is to report on. There were so many unreported, underreported good stories, 
great stories that that are that need yeah. to be told. They're begging to be told. And and I think if you know if most of the media, and again, if that's accurate, if, if a lot of the media, many of the media outlets are reporting kind of this, oh, you know, there was a crime today. Okay, yeah, that's significant. If when here's what I try to here's what I, how I want to balance it. When something difficult happens in someone's life, that is news. Yes, that's that's significant. But I think we need to really aim as human beings, we need to try to aim to see the balance, you know. And so, like we were saying a moment ago, Scott, like there's always challenges in life, no question. Yeah. And at the same time, I believe there's always something to be grateful for. So how can we balance that? You know, and, and, and I'm not saying it's easy by any means, but but so we so so with today magazine, I want to be reporting these good stories that go underreported. And also at the same time to report meaningful news. And in other words, I don't want to be Pollyannish because I think, yeah. again, like there's this quote unquote feel good journalism. Pollyannish is one way to put it, which is Pollyannish carries the tone of like, mm -hmm. you're just being like kind of looking at life through rose colored glasses. Yeah, right? like so I, even in bad stories, there's still good things that happen. Exactly. Right? Like, you yeah. know what I mean? And so somebody maybe, you know, got hurt from somebody else. But in the meantime, you know, somebody else came in to help them. And, you know, thank you to that individual who, you know, came in and, and, and helped or whatever might have happened. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Excellent. So, yeah. So for one example of that is we've had a couple of cover stories over the past couple of years uh, uh, relating to World War Two. So we had in June of 2019, we had a cover story. Um, so any World War II, uh, anybody you know knows some of the history, remembers D-Day. So yeah. D-Day was one of the key, you know, key moments in World War II. Was June of 1944. Mm -hmm. So June of 2019 was the 75th anniversary of D-Day. Mm. So we featured several World War II veterans right here in the valley, still living at the time. One of them is still living. Two have passed since. One of the so we featured three World War II veterans in that cover story, June of 2019. It was the 75th anniversary of D-Day. Yeah. So you don't get much more heavy duty a topic than a world war, right? That's heavy duty. That's war. Again, war. That's big news. Mm -hmm. We were looking at it from the perspective of these local members, these local World War II heroes, part of that greatest generation who stepped up at this pivotal time in history and, and sacrificed for our country, for other people around the world who I think were being, you know, oppressed in, 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 in the way World War II played out. Yeah. And we were looking at it from the perspective of these local people who were part of that greatest generation and, and, and telling some of their story, you know? Well, and, so, and so there was, an, and then we had another cover story um, this past, August was the 75th anniversary of the end of World War II, because hmm. World War II ended in 45, the summer of 45. Yep. And so this past summer was the 75th anniversary of that uh, milestone. So we looked at some other World War II veterans. I um, actually revisited one of the previous ones. Hmm. John Benjamin, um, he's known here in Simsbury in the Valley. He, uh, he was 100 two years old when 101 or 102 when we when we featured him in june of 2019 
And then he, he ended up passing away last June at 103 years old. He was a bomber pilot, World War II bomber pilot. He won, he was awarded the highest aerial honor the, the military gives, the Distinguished Flying Cross. Um, wow. He flew like, I think it was 40 something combat missions uh, in World War II. Um, he would talk, he talked about how every time they got back, they were, they were getting shot at, you know, as they were, they were, you know, bombing like factories and, and fuel dumps and, you know, um, things like that in, in, in Germany and Czechoslovakia, you know, that, you know, Nazi occupied territory and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And, and they would come back and he'd say every time they'd get out and they'd see the holes in their plane because they were getting shot at, you know? Wow. Yeah. And that's and, wild. And, uh, so he, you know, so he would, you know, he, again, he was a member of that greatest generation. And so we actually, we featured him when he was still living in June of 2019. Then we had a follow-up story on him in our August story of this, of 2020. Mm -hmm. He passed at the end of June of 2020. And his son, his son made a comment of like, you know, these guys, like his dad, and, and, it, and it was a 10-man crew. His dad was the commanding officer of that 10-man crew. Uh, he, him and the nine other guys, he said, and they they get up every day and they were willingly going back in that plane. They knew they were getting shot at, but they were willing to make the sacrifice. You know, that's 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 a crazy story, but one that almost I'm sure gives you just a ton of like all of the struggle, all of the fight to then be able to produce a story like that has to give you a lot of just you know satisfaction a lot of like yes this is exactly what i'm doing why i'm doing it and just a lot of pride right like proud that you've taken these steps because i, I was talking to somebody else and and you know i love steve harvey and one of his favorite quotes is at some point you have to jump off the ledge right like you have to jump and there's no safety net and there's no plan b and you have to figure it out. <laughs> and, and that's exactly what you did. And that's an extremely difficult thing to do. Um, extremely difficult thing to do. But those moments give you these different points that, right? Like I'm doing this for a reason. And probably that's one of the reasons I would imagine. Yeah, no, yeah, um, and and really, and when you talk about like jumping off the ledge, I mean, there's something powerful about that metaphor because I think when it comes to again our human experience, we, you know, I, I wonder if almost every decision in life is is a risk reward decision, you know, but certainly many decisions are a risk reward, you know, you don't know 100% certain, you make you you have a decision to make, there's a potential risk, there's a potential reward, and yeah, you get to the point. You got to make that decision, and you're you're making that jump, um, like a. But know, that's I, where you know, and that's where that's where for me, journaling helped me keep focus my priorities. Because even though we get these feelings, and those feelings, you know, it's fight or flight, right? Like, do we push forward or do we or do we or do we stop? And whenever we get uncomfortable, we hit those spots. And there's lots of times where you were, I'm sure, and I don't know this, but I, I, I can, I can 100% with certainty say that you had a ton 
and probably still do, still did it uh, to a certain aspect, have those fight or flight feelings. Oh, sure. And always had to remind yourself or push through and 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 keep going, right? Because you weren't in danger, but it was just there was this uncomfortable feeling. And whenever we get this uncomfortable feeling, we want to get comfortable. But but why? What is what is being comfortable? <laughs> Except you know maybe be a little lazy at times. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, and, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and uh, and and really, and sometimes you know the decisions that are kind of kind of foisted on us. In other words, you know, we we all have decisions to make, but because we're in a in a community. A, you know, a local community, a world community where every human being is making decisions and we're, we're affecting each other with our decisions. So, so the reason, you know, you talk about kind of taking this leap of starting a small business. So in my case, you know, I, I, my industry has been journalism and, you know, I, so I made the, this leap of starting this magazine. Um, I, I can virtually guarantee I wouldn't have made that decision if it weren't for a decision that was made for me over five years ago. And so the backstory there is, you know, I was, I was a full-time employee of ESPN for 16 years, December of 99 mm -hmm. to October, well, really to the end of 2015. Um, any, you know, anybody who follows ESPN is aware that in recent years, you know, ESPN just had a huge layoff a few months ago. Mm -hmm. um, I was part of that, the, what I think is still the biggest layoff they've had, the most yeah. one they, but so in, in October, 2015, at that time, it was their ESPN's most significant layoff. Um, you know, ESPN for many years was a cash cow for Disney. So if the people don't know, Disney's the parent company, Disney yep. owns a whole bunch of, you know, big time media outlets, ESPN, ABC. In the time that I was at ESPN, um, Disney acquired Marvel, the whole Marvel universe. And so then they, you know, you've got a lot of those, um, the Avengers movies, you know, or, or, or that Disney has put out are a result of that acquisition and so forth. Um, but in any event, um, ESPN for many years was a cash cow for Disney. Then what happened, you know, the, the technology changes, the, the, you know, things change. And so all these people that had, these cable subscriptions with ESPN, now they can access their content because of smartphones and tablets. They can access sports content dozens of different ways, you know? Mm -hmm. And so people started cutting the cable cord. They weren't paying that ESPN subscription. Now, because ESPN was, has, was so popular and so valued by so many sports fans, my understanding is that it had the highest cable subscription fee in the industry, something like $7 per subscriber. Gotcha. And cable companies, what I heard was one, maybe one or $2. So ESPN at the height, the number I heard was 99 million subscribers dropped to 88 million. So multiply 11 million times $7 and it might even be per month. So ESPN was a cash cow for many years, but then when people started cutting the cord and, and accessing their sports content other ways, there was a huge shortfall, you know? Yeah. And so again, as smart as they the, were never going to get that audience back. And that's the yeah. thing, you know what I mean? Like, no matter what you do, you're not going to get that audience back. Yeah. And so, you know, so yes. So, so when I first started working at ESPN.com in 99, our group grew exponentially. And then, you know, again, then now this, there's this new trend and, and people aren't subscribing to cable anymore. 
So one of the quote unquote time honored ways of meeting a budget is to have a layoff, right? And so, so it was actually the third, people might not realize this, that in my time at ESPN, that was the third workforce reduction. Uh, the first two were smaller. And so mm -hmm. they were like ripples. They were significant, obviously for the people who are impacted, Yeah. but they weren't, they didn't make big national news, but this one did. And then, so I was the one I was the layoff I was part of October, 2015. Um, they kept us on as full-time employees till the end of 2015. We didn't have to go back to work. So that was a kind of them, you know, I received a severance that we all, all that kind of thing. Um, but, but that was like about 350, the numbers I remember hearing it was three, about 350, me and, me and 350, my closest friends, you know, were, were part of that layoff it was about 4% of the workforce. So it was a significant- That's huge. Um, now, now, most of that group were people like me who were behind the scenes. We were not people on camera. Um, so a year, sometime after that, I think in the next year or two after that, there were two subsequent layoffs that were about, I think, 100 each. Mm. And those layoffs were, as I recall, primarily analysts, anchors, people who had an on-air presence. Yeah. Those two layoffs may have registered more with the sports viewing public, but they weren't as big as the one I was part of. Totally, yeah. And then sure. the one that just happened, I think in November, I don't think that was 300, I'm not sure. But so I think the one I was part of was still the quote unquote, the biggest layoff ESPN's ever had. But so Scott, come up, to come back around, if, if that had, if that, if I were still working at ESPN, you would still be working at ESPN. We wouldn't be having this conversation, right? Yeah. And I would not. So, so my first, so my first thought, and tell, I mean, stop me if we're running out of time. Obviously, yeah, no, you're you're okay. I mean, we'll be wrapping up in a little bit, but you're we're okay for now. Yeah, okay. Um, but so, so my first thought when that layoff happened was not the next day I'm going to launch Today Magazine. That was not my first thought. My first thought was I need to find employment. Because I've got to, you know, I've got to pay bills, and I've, you know, yeah. and so, so, so ESPN at that time. So I just had a conversation with someone who was just part of this most recent layoff, who was a colleague. He worked. He was an uh, editor at ESPN, the magazine, and and the the dot com people, the digital media people, our editors would work in collaboration with ESPN, the magazine, and help them get their magazine out every month, and they would sometimes help us. Now ESPN, the magazine, doesn't publish a print edition anymore. They stopped oh, okay. a couple of years ago. Yeah. And so they, I think they still produce it online, um, which is like a separate component of the digital, you know, there's, there's ESPN.com and there's ESPN mm -hmm. the magazine. Anyway, at that time, I was, I was one of the uh, digital media editors who would work on a monthly basis, you know, a couple, usually a couple of days a month to help the magazine get their publication out. Just spoke with uh, one of the gentlemen who was part of that layoff a couple of months ago. And um, I'm sending out resumes like crazy. I'm networking. I'm, you know, ESPN did, a, I think they did a good job with, with, with the severance package. They set us up with an outplacement firm. Yep. You have, you've talked about how you've done uh, recruiting work and so forth. So they, they, you know, they set us up with this outplacement firm that was kind of helping us, you know, most of us hadn't written resumes in years, you know, totally. so like they, you know, here's how to present your resume, interviewing skills, you know, networking. So um, set us up with this outplacement firm. Um, so I, I, I availed myself of all of those resources 
very little traction. It was so frustrating. And this, this former colleague that I just spoke with said he's had the same experience. You would think that, quote unquote, working at the Worldwide Leader in Sports, that would be a good seller on a resume, right? Well, I would occasionally get a nibble, occasionally get a, a, you know, a phone interview, occasionally get a, you know, an interview, but, but was not getting the traction I was looking for uh, and was frustrating. And part of it is there's a lot of talented editors out there. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of people out there. Um, so in any event, I, um, again, going through the job search process, then, um, about a month before my severance, again, and the clock is ticking. I know my severance is coming about a month or so, maybe a month and a half before the, my severance is going to expire. Got a call from a former supervisor. I worked on the copy desk at ESPN.com for my last 10 years there of the, of the 16 years I was there. He was my supervisor on the copy desk in Bristol. Then he uh, moved to LA. Uh, ESPN at, at, at one point at, at that time frame had opened an LA sports center desk. So they were now producing a sports center in LA as a, in addition to the Bristol sports center. It gave them a, there's the three hour time gap. So they were mm -hmm. able to cover things a little more that way. So they, at, around that time frame, they, um, our group, the digital media group also opened up a copy desk. So now with the time frame, so basically our copy desk was available 21 out of 24 hours a day. If you had like an issue or a question or a story that needed to be vetted or edited, we were there for 21 out of 24 hours. And part of the reason was because they opened up this West Coast desk. Now there's, you know, there's the different time frame, East Coast, West Coast. Yeah. So anyway, that's maybe more backstory than, than is necessary. But this former supervisor of mine in Bristol was now, you know, was at that time the West Coast copy desk supervisor. He calls me. He says, Bruce, I've got this contract role available, six months. Are you interested? And I said, well, I'm looking for full time, but yeah, I'm interested <laughs> because, I mean, again, it, it, was, it, was, it was a stopgap, right? So I, and he was willing, and I really, and now, you know, he could have called other people who were part of that layoff, and I'm thankful that he called me, I and mean, it worked out well, but, but in any event, he was willing to wait till my severance expired so that like, I guess if I had started right away, I would have had to give up the rest of my severance. Oh, so actually, yeah. he was willing to let me go, you know, take it till the end of my severance in April. I started working for his group in April. That ended up getting renewed twice. So I ended up working for another year and a half for 18 months oh, good. on the ESPN.com. Instead of the Bristol desk, I was working remotely pre-COVID, you know, yeah. but yeah. I was working remotely here in Simsbury and I was working for the West Coast desk. So I was working like four o'clock, like four or five o'clock in the afternoon till like one or two in the morning, you know, mm -hmm. uh, uh, mm -hmm. East Coast time. And out there, they, so they were wrapping up, I think 1 a.m., like midnight or 1 a.m. West Coast time. So that was, so say it was 1 a.m. That was 4 a.m. here. And then we had our first East Coast people show up at seven. So that was the only three hour gap where nobody was on the copy desk. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so it was kind of cool how it worked out. But, um, but anyway, so that, so again, I'm on, so now, and I'm sorry, I'm probably digressing here. No, this is, yeah, no, it's all good backstory. Yeah, so, so I'm, you know, 
again, I'm not, I, I'm working on the copy desk. I've got this contract gig. I know it's got a time. It's, I know it's going to end. Right. And, and apparently after it got renewed twice, but after 18 months, they had a, a product policy where they had to cut it off. I guess they couldn't go beyond that, maybe without hiring you full time or something like that. Sure. So in any event, um, I know there's an end date for this employment. So I still need full time. Right. I'm still sending out resumes like crazy. I'm going to networking groups. I'm, I'm never, at one point, my wife said to me, you're doing everything right, you know, with this job search. And I really appreciated her backup, you know, yeah. her, her encouragement. But, but it's like, I still wasn't getting the traction. And so the one, believe it or not, the one, so again, originally when the layoff first happened, I was only sending out resumes for, for, for full time. Because in my mind, I'm thinking, that's what I need, right? I need a full-time job. Then I thought, okay, if it's part-time, if it's a part if it's a part-time role or a, a contract, let's expand the net. Maybe that part-time becomes full-time, right? So the only, and, and, and I mean, it's frustrating to say this, but the only job offer I got out of that in all those yeah. hundreds of resumes I sent out, really hundreds, I'm sure it was, dozens and dozens and dozens of resumes. Um, was for a niche publication in Granby called Granby Living Magazine. To this day, I still moonlight for this magazine. I'm their content person, okay? Yeah. Today Magazine is more than a full-time yeah, job, yeah, okay? Yeah. Which you can appreciate managing your own business. 100%. Um, but I'm still new moonlighting for this niche magazine in Granby. And it was working for this magazine and they only go to like a couple thousand, mail to a couple thousand uh, homes, our print magazine has been mailed to the entire demo, everybody in the Valley, 40,000 plus, 42,000 plus, you know, homes, businesses. This one, I think, goes to about a little more than 2,000 is the number I've most recently heard. But this, so I was hired by the publisher who established that magazine in 2016, August of 2016, as I recall, was our first issue. He hired me as his content person. Um, Good guy, worked with him, a guy named Tony Serino. He recently retired. And so I'm, I'm continuing to work for some, another publisher. But um, he, um, he hired me and it was working for this niche publication in Grammy that gave me, it kind of reminded me, it, gave, it kind of helped me catch a vision for, all right, 20 plus years ago, almost 25 years ago, back in the day, I worked for this imprint newspapers group there was a dedicated weekly paper for every town in the valley. Now, at that time, there were only two news vehicles covering the valley. A monthly magazine, and oh, there were three. A monthly, a monthly magazine, and at that time, it was a weekly newspaper put out by the same company. Hmm. Since then, they've gone to an, a bi-weekly paper every other week. And then there was a quarterly magazine that covered the farms in the valley. So we went from... So, so imprint had all covering the whole valley. There were also monthly magazines that covered the valley at that time, a different company. So there were probably eight or nine news vehicles that covered the valley. There were only three. And now I'm working for this Granby publication that covers a very small niche in Granby. But it, it kind of caught, I thought, you know something? I think there could be a place at the table for bringing community journalism back in a more focused way here in the Farmer Valley. Yeah. And so, so instead, so I'm still sending out resumes, 
I'm working for the very part-time. It's like, you know, like maybe 10 hours a month tops. And then it's something like I got, got down to a science where it's less than that now. Yeah. Um, but enjoyable. I get a chance to write their cover story, you know, editing. Um, that is the other, the other, again, the invigorating component of today is I, most of the time I've written the cover story for Today Magazine, won a couple awards. You know, I won an award way back within print and it's like, it's so encouraging to think like, okay, you know, I haven't lost it, you know, <laughs> after. Well, that's, a, that's amazing. That's really, that's a, that's a fun part of all of that because it, again, it, you find this, you've always been doing what you love to do, right? Like covering news and, and reporting and doing all of that different stuff. But this brings you back to the heart of what gives you this passion and purpose and, and, and energy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And um, yeah. And so, so yeah, so again, like it, it was a process, like launching this magazine was a process. You know, again, even after like, again, I initially, I, I, you know, accepted this part-time role with Granby, this Granby magazine. I, I wasn't thinking at that moment, I'm going to launch today magazine, but then, and then there were, there were other, you know, there were other steps along the way and other, you know, kind of twists and turns, but I'm still saying out resumes. I'm still saying, but then I, again, I got to the point where I thought, you know, I can sit back, I can keep networking. Obviously, you know, job search, the job search process, you have to engage in it. And I believe I did that to the best of my ability. Yeah. I didn't, you know, a full-time offer did not come. But I thought instead of sitting here and waiting for a company to say, oh yeah, come interview with us. Maybe we'll hire you. I thought, let me be more proactive. Let me see if I can get this magazine launched and established and see what happens, you know? And again, and I think there's a place at the table for another news vehicle here in the Valley. And so, so that's how, so, so, so the- and Three years later, you were right, Bruce. Like that's the, you know, and that's the, that's the, that's the amazing, you know, part about, you know, all of that is taking something from, you know, concept to, you know, here we are today, three years later. Yeah, yeah. So, so congratulations on that. That's fantastic. That's, that certainly deserves, uh, a nice pat on the back and a celebration for really all of the all of the work that goes into doing what you do and uh, you know for the people of the Farmington Valley, which is great. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that, and it's yeah, it's really and and I you know and I, I'm saying you know I, I like I said I've lived here in the Valley for 25 years. I lived here in Sunbury. I have learned so much more about this community in the last mm. three years that I had no clue about. Like there was so much tremendous programming put on libraries, historical societies, and so much of it is free. And of course, pre-COVID, and you know, hopefully in the next year or so, as the vaccine gets out and everything, mm -hmm. we'll be back to more live events. But, you know, I mean, there was so much great stuff going on here in the Farmington Valley. And I had no clue about it, you know, again, because I was kind of locked into my own particular, yeah. you know, like my kids were involved with sports. They also were involved with arts. And, but I, and a lot of it was, you know, sport events. And, you know, so you, you kind of focus on, your family and, and whatnot, but I, there's so much great stuff uh, here in the Valley. And, and again, we all face challenges, you know, that's part of life. Um, but there are good, um, there are so many good stories and great stories about how people are looking to meet those challenges. And, um, and that's what I'm, it's just, it, it really has been gratifying, invigorating to report that stuff. Um, and, and let me, I want to say one more thing about, yeah, you yeah. about the, so, the journaling is is like that's a key part 
of your coaching and your the work you 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 the work you're doing yourself with the journaling and then the way you're you're helping people with the journaling process. Something I want to say is, um, and it's come to mind a couple of times in this conversation, is that um, we're all journalists. Okay, I, I don't think there's any question. And and um, over the years, in the time I've been at ESPN, um, well, let me going going back to the beginning of my career, like right out of college. Yeah. I I was I taught a high school and middle school English for several years, um, and really had have had a heart for for helping young people develop as writers. Um, I really appreciated the, the English teachers I had and the and the professors in college. You know, and it's like the situation where you know you really you know those teachers who made such a constructive played a constructive role in your life and you appreciate. Yeah. And sometimes you know you don't care for a teacher as much, but the but the teachers who really make a difference. It's like that's what I envisioned. Like I wanted to make that kind of constructive difference in the lives of of young people. And so I started out. Uh, you know, in college I was an English major. I became. I went through the education program. I also had the journalism trap going, where I had a journalism internship and worked for the school paper. And so, you know. It is one of those things looking back, it does make sense. Like my career path makes sense. So I guess that's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> I started out in teaching and then I also did PR work. I worked here for a private school in Simsbury, the master school for five years. So I was their PR person. And then I, because that was a small school, I wore, you know, the hat of, of doing some teaching as well. Um, but anyway, um, I really, um, you know, when it, so in the time I've worked in the media in the past 25 years, I've given a number uh, masters, in fact, when my son and daughter were teachers, were students there um, at some other schools in the area, I've given some like journalism writing workshops, you know, yeah. looking, looking to give back. And, you know, I appreciated when somebody came and visited like my class, you know, and talked about their career, that kind of thing. So, so I've done it. And one of the things I'll, I want to communicate to students is, listen, you're, we're all journalists, you know, so I'll ask them, you know, how many of you have a Facebook page or an Instagram page or a, you know, uh, Instagram wasn't even around probably 15 years ago, but Facebook was, you know, and of course they all do, you know, yeah, yeah, we all do. You're a journalist, you know, we're, we're recording, we're sharing news. That's, mm -hmm. what, that's all journalism is, you know, and so I'm, I'm quote unquote, one of the experts. However, I'm not an expert anymore. You know, I, I've learned a lot and I think I have a lot to share. I can, you know, whatever. But, but I think the same is true. Like, and this is a big picture philosophical question, but that's yeah. also practical. Like, I think we're all scientists. We're all philosophers. We're all historians. We're all, you know, I mean, now, now it's virtually impossible for any one person to pursue that discipline as a full-time. Sure. Right. But I think we're all like, all the disciplines are interrelated, you know, and, and it's and one of the fun things, one of the enjoyable things about being a journalist is you get to kind of learn about all these different aspects of life, the different stories people have, and then help tell those stories. And But you learn so much along the way. Um, and so anyway, so I just think it's so much interrelated. Like when I was in college, I think I thought of English, like, of course, I'm an English major. English is more important than math or science, you know. Sure. But that's bull. That's not true. <laughs> it's all important and it's all related. And so I've slowly over time seen that. So I think, Scott, we're all journalists. Yeah. And 
you know, and, and it's part of life. It's being able to share our stories with each other and then go back to kindergarten. Like what was one of the things? It's like show and tell. Show you have tell. Opportunity to- We're always telling stories. We're always sharing information. And uh, so, you know, yeah, 100%. So anyway, I, so again, I, I appreciate the opportunity to talk about this. And I, you know, it, it's, um, yeah. And, you know, before we wrap up, I want to just talk a little bit about, you know, um, just a little bit about where Today Magazine is going. So you've done an amazing job. And where do you see, you know, the future for Today Magazine? What are you still excited about that is, you know, um, that you're exploring? Um, I definitely am excited about, you know, I've, I've got a, a such a, a long list of potential cover stories, you know, and I've, oh, great. I, you know, I generate this list because so we have the monthly magazine um, and, and then we have the, you know, the digital or excuse me, the, the monthly magazine is, is, has been print and digital and there's a backstory, star, star 2021, we've gone exclusively digital, and there's a backstory there, but the online, uh, Today Magazine Online is of course the internet focused which has the unlimited capacity, quote unquote, of the internet. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, but but you know, I, I, in terms of looking down the road, I mean, there are so many. It, it, one of the challenges is to decide, like, what are we going to cover next month? Because there's like, I have probably a list of at least two dozen or more potential cover stories, and and because it's a monthly, I love the monthly format because you can delve in, in in more deep. You know, a daily journalist isn't going to have the time the time to, to put all of that research. Yeah, in. but I love the monthly format for that reason, because you can take more time with the story, you can go a little deeper, you can research more. But the drawback is you only have 12 a year. And so, yeah. there's, so <laughs> there's so many great stories and, and meaningful stories and powerful stories to cover. You know, so, so like, for example, uh, like April, I'm looking at uh, the plan right now, March is, is pretty much in place. And I'm going to, uh, the March cover is, it looks like it's going to be, um, well, I, I'm going to, I'm going to keep that. I'll, I'll keep yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Me. No, of course. But, but the, but the April cover, I'm looking at another world war two theme. And there, um, because I have several, cause as I've researched, as I spoke with local veterans, then you, you know, I've had, I had people call me. You, you like, get more information. You oh more. yeah. Like, like, did you know, like my husband was a veteran and, and you, you know, like, I, like we published, in that original, the original story in June of 2019, the 75th anniversary of D-Day, I listed all the veterans I was aware of that were living, World War II veterans. I thought there maybe would be a couple living World War II veterans at that time. I came up with a list of a dozen. And then I had people call me and say, oh, you missed this person and this person. And so like, wow, I'm sorry, I wasn't aware, but I wanna, so I learned about these, all these other stories from again, that. You know, the Tom Brokaw, I think, came up with that phrase, the greatest oh, yeah. generation. Yeah, yeah, that was his, I, mean, uh, I think that's an apt, you know, again, every generation has, has its greatness and its, you know, ups and downs and all that. But but that generation to step up at that time. So there are, I've learned, so so anyway, the my the, the plan, the tentative plan, but I'm hoping it becomes, plays out, is that we have another World War II cover in April. And there's there isn't like a dramatic anniversary of for april of 41 so it, 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 um you know april of 41 yeah. is when that was now think about this april of 41 the united states was not in the war yet because it was, it was december of 41 is when pearl harbor occurred when mm-hmm. they attacked on pearl harbor and that's when we entered the war but april of 41 i looked it up recently 
there were several milestones in the World War One, and the reason I'm looking at April is because one of the um, I had a, 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 someone call me uh, after, and it was kind of one of these serendipity things. Uh, a, a lady, local resident, called me in March of I think it was March of 2020. Um, and she said, and so here was her voicemail. I just listened to it the other day because I was going through some old voicemail and I was reminded of this. And this is what brought this back, kind of the serendipity of how this plays out. Yeah. But her voicemail was like, I was looking through some old periodicals and she came across the periodical of the June, 2019. So this was maybe, it might've been a not quite a year later. Maybe it was eight months later, but she said, my, she says in their voice, now my husband was a world, is a World War II veteran. And so he was still living at the time. He passed away. Um, so he was born in April and he passed away in April. Okay. Mm. And so I'm thinking, I wonder if there's, so how can I incorporate? So I haven't, I haven't had the opportunity to tell, to help tell his story yet. Mm. But, but I'm, that's what I'm thinking is that to, 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 to have, to help, to tell his, some of his story from his, you know, when, when, when his wife called, he was still living. Um, and then um, I think it was March of 2020. Uh, so this would have been almost a full year after, so yeah, June of 2019. So what's that about, you know, nine months, right? March, April, May, June. So about nine months later, she calls and says, I'm looking through my old, these old magazines. I came across yours. Did you realize my husband, he was not listed on your list. Mm. He was, he was a veteran of that war, of that greatest. Yeah. Generation. Yeah. And, and I, so Scott, I, that story has been on my radar for almost a year now, but because there was so much else to cover it, you know, but I'm hoping that that, so, so would be a nice way to, to kind of bring all that together. Yeah. So the April, and then I, and that's when I researched just the other day, you know, a lot of the world war II history, and there are some key dates in April hmm. that will, you know, will tie in with that. So that's, can, so, yeah. so, so, so that's a longer answer. So what kind of keeps me going? What, what are plans? So there are so many great cover stories to, to stories to cover. Um, I think there's a lot that I can do. I think, you know, I'm looking to expand Today Magazine Online, mm. um, that coverage, um, there's more we can do there. Um, and, and so, and there's more to that backstory, you know, but, but. Uh, oh, no, of course, of course. But it's, you know, it's nice that, you know, here you are three years later and, you know, again, uh, it, it's, 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 it's even more in almost, you get just as excited, I'm sure, now thinking about some of these stories and what you're doing then you know even when it first started so all of the excitement all of the energy is still there and and it's here because you can you know it's 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 got that feeling for you right like you have that inside that everything feels good and now it's just like okay well where else can i take this yeah. and uh and and who knows and you know you uh, you provide an opportunity for lots of people i'm sure to produce content for you um, and, you know, you give individuals and people and businesses an opportunity to reach more people and, and really in a nice way of, of, of highlighting some, some things that people need to remember, you know, and some people need to 
not forget. Um, and so it really is great work. I, uh, uh, I've always enjoyed our conversations, Bruce. We've, uh, you know, we've had some great ones and I've, I know we first met in the Simsbury chamber and, um, you know, had a, had a, had a coffee back when we could still have a coffee, <laughs> uh, you know, shortly after we met. And so I've always, you know, appreciated your, uh, your story and certainly your dedication for getting this off the ground and, and continuing to give, you know, uh, you know, folks just really positive information and really some, some positive things to look at. So, so thank you for all of that. Thank you. Yeah, I really appreciate that. And, uh, and likewise, yeah, I, I, I remember appreciating hearing your story about how you started, um, you know, how you started K journal and yeah. the story with your mom. And, and I'm sure, you know, you've maybe have shared that in other podcasts, but it's, it's, a, it, that's a powerful story. And so, yeah, so I, I, yeah, I, I really appreciate the opportunity to talk and, you know, um, the challenges are always going to be there, but it is kind of nice to kind of take a breather and, and talk about, you know, where we've come and, and, and how we've grown and, and, and hopefully how we can keep more moving forward. Well, that's it. And that's, you know, hopefully this is a, this is a forum that for me is exciting because it allows for people to see that, hey, you know, uh, ordinary people doing extraordinary things, right? Like it, it, it took a leap of faith for you to kind of get to this point and do what you're doing. And, you know, we all have that in, in us. And it's just, it's nice to be able to hear other people doing that and making a success out of it and defining success for themselves versus what other people may define success, right? And so, yeah. uh, you know, so again, I uh, uh, I wish you all the continued success. It's a great magazine. It's a great online presence. And so if people haven't, you know, picked up Today Magazine or logged on to Today Magazine, I highly encourage anyone to, to take a peek. And uh, uh, again, even though it's focused in the Farmington Valley, regardless of where you are, you're still going to be able to hear some great stories and some highlights of uh, great information of what people are doing. So yeah, uh, and Scott, if I can just mention real quick, I appreciate the, the mention. So it probably makes sense to let people know if you want to find us online, it's it's www.todaypublishing.net. So Today Publishing is the the name of the overall media outlet. Um, so it's Today Publishing all run together as one word. Dot net. Dot net. So, yeah, so you can go there, find our previous digital editions. You can find these cover stories that I'm talking about, World War II. Simsbury just had, a, oh my goodness, talk about a powerful story. Simsbury, here in Simsbury, we just had the unveiling of a Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, in Connecticut memorial oh, that wow. was the students uh, here were the driving force behind bringing a memorial here to town to honor Martin Luther King's time because little known fact, uh, and you may be aware of this, but Martin Luther King Jr. spent two summers when he was in college working here in Connecticut. To hmm, I didn't know that. It was a summer job where he was making money with fellow college students to pay for his college tuition. Talk about a powerful story. So that, that can be for another podcast. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but absolutely. But um, but but there there's you know we had a you can check out our coverage of, of that and his his time here in Sunsbury. So yeah, it's www.todaypublishing.net um, and you can check out all of our previous you know editions and our Today Magazine online news. Excellent. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you so much. Great to talk. Yeah, great, Bruce. It was uh, it was nice to talk. Thank you for being on Live Your Life with Purpose podcast, and uh, I look forward to our future conversations. Sounds good. Thanks again. All right. Thanks.